Greetings, and thank you for tuning into the second episode of the podcast series, Early Action in Hepatocellular Carcinoma. This episode is titled, Learning from Past Experience. Our learning objectives for this podcast are, 1. Effectively conduct patient surveillance to achieve early detection of HCC, and 2. Decrease disparities in referral patterns by improving adherence to recommended guidelines. Today, you will be listening to Dr. Ghassan Albu Alpha, Professor of Medical Oncology at the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York, as well as Dr. Amit Singhal, Medical Director of the Liver Tumor Program, Clinical Chief of Hepatology, and Professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at the UT Southwestern Medical Center in Texas. And now, here is Dr. Singhal. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Amit Singhal. I'm a hepatologist at UT Southwestern Medical Center and serve as the medical director of our liver tumor program. You can find my and Dr. Ghassan Albu Alpha's disclosures on the activity page. In this podcast, Ghassan and I will discuss three cases of patients with hepatocellular carcinoma, also known as HCC, examining the role of screening and referral for treatment and the trajectory of their disease course. These patients are based on real patients of ours. However, we've changed certain identifying characteristics to protect the patient's identity. So, Ghassan, could you please describe the first patient case that we'll walk through today? Uh, thank you, Amit. Uh, this is a 70-year-old lady, Caucasian, in New York, was distraught to know that she's diagnosed with hepatitis C. A battery of test was initiated that showed evident hepatitis C antibody, and the follow-up Hepatitis C PCR quantitative showed the viral load of 50,000 international units per liter. The patient said, I'm not a drug addict. On questioning, the patient explained that drug addicts are who gets hepatitis C through shared needles. And on further questioning, the patient, however, recalled that she got jaundiced after a dental procedure 30 years ago. She does not recall any further detail, except that she recovered rather promptly after that event that did not occur again. The patient was treated with hepatitis C with cure evidence after complete course of therapy with daclatsevir plus sofosbuvir. So thanks, Kassan. Um, I think this story is nice. I mean, it really highlights that some people have a misconception that hepatitis C is only found in like drug addicts. But in reality, we often see hepatitis C in many older Americans, like the patient here, who were infected after a dental procedure or blood transfusion in the past before we even knew about hepatitis C. In fact, many patients who are diagnosed with hepatitis C have no recognizable risk factors, which is why the United States Preventative Services Task Force, the USPSTF, has shifted away from risk-based screening to now recommending all adults undergo screening for hepatitis C at least once in their lifetime. While they initially had isolated this to baby boomers, you know, those born between 1945 and 1965, they now have expanded this recommendation to all adults over age 18, starting a couple of years ago, based on this changing distribution of hepatitis C cases in the United States. So in short, we now have a patient cured from their hepatitis C, which is wonderful. Would the guidelines from the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases, or the AASLD, 
Consider this patient a good candidate for regular HEC screening. Thank you, Amit, for all what you said. And before I answer this, I would like to also confirm, reconcur with you the criticality for us to really look in a universal perspective, not only the patients who might have used drugs and shared needles are at risk for hepatitis C. As you saw, our patient has hepatitis C simply because long time ago, before the new days, the dental procedures were done, not necessarily the procedure instrumentation was clean the appropriate way, and that's why she had hepatitis C. With this said, I would say that thankfully we have treatment now, but at the same time, despite the treatment, patient still has a significant risk for liver cancer if she has cirrhosis. And as you and I know, cirrhosis can happen with the hepatitis C. The American Association for the Study of Liver Disease, uh, what you just asked me, does recommend screening in hepatitis cell carcinoma, in hepatitis C cure patients if they have cirrhosis. Please remember, only if they have cirrhosis. And the ASLD recommends that screening will be done in patients with cirrhosis every six months with an ultrasound, with or without alpha-fetoprotein, but at least every six months with ultrasound. And if anything, this brings up an important issue. Although the ASLD recommend every six months, the main concern that we have is patients failing off the screening program. No matter what's the key, and the screening program is better than no screening. So anything is better than nothing. Yeah, I agree, Gassan. You know, you've really raised several important points. So, you know, really the first step um, with a, in a patient with a history of cured hepatitis C is to assess their stage of fibrosis. Now, historically, this was done by liver biopsy, and luckily we've gone beyond that, and we now have several non-invasive techniques for a fibrosis assessment, you know, transient elastography. We have blood-based fibrosis markers. Now, if this patient doesn't have cirrhosis, then they don't need HEC screening. The risk of HEC is actually fairly low in the absence of cirrhosis. However, as you mentioned, if a patient has cirrhosis, the risk of HEC is high and screening is recommended even after hepatitis C cure. I would add, Gassan, that many patients with compensated cirrhosis are being turned back to primary care after receiving their curative hepatitis C treatment. And so this case could be of particular interest to our primary care audience. Available data show that the risk of HCC, while it's reduced after hepatitis C cure, is sufficiently high that HCC screening should be continued indefinitely in those with a history of cirrhosis. Now, finally, you mentioned that screening can be performed using, using ultrasound with or without AFP. The addition of AFP to ultrasound-based screening has been controversial. However, our group recently published a meta-analysis of all studies looking at this issue and demonstrated significant increases in the sensitivity for early-stage HEC detection if these two tests are used in combination. And so it's at least our contention that it's probably better to use these two tests in combination, particularly given the ease of incorporating AFP, which is a simple blood test that one can add when otherwise checking um, labs. So, Gassan, going back to our patient, can you let us know what happened next with that patient that you were seeing? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, uh, although the patient was recommended in HCC screening program, she did not end up receiving regular screening. And in time, she developed abdominal pain. And so she returned to her physician, who recommended the CT scan, and she was found to have a liver lesion with concern, of course, for it being cancer. 
and this was verified through a biopsy of a bone lesion. There was a lesion already in the bone at the T2 level that was positive for HCC or hepatocellular carcinoma. The patient was appalled to hear this, especially since her family history does not report any cancer on both parents' sides. However, she was reminded and was explained to her that HCC is not generally inherited, if at all not inherited, and is acquired secondary to specific risk factors. Unfortunately, since her HCC was detected at an advanced stage, and to go back to our screening component here, her prognosis was limited. If anything, screening could have helped because prognosis will be better if we find out the if we find out the disease early, and of course we get to the appropriate care with the potential for curative intent. But now, sadly, she is coming with advanced disease. Yes, we can treat. Yes, we can make things better, but we'll not be able to cure her. So, I mean, I think uh, you have an example of a patient who had HCC successfully detected at an earlier stage. L let's look about that. How was this patient detected, and can you describe this patient case? Yeah, of course, Kassan. Happy to, to walk through the case. So, the patient that I recently saw was a 47-year-old male um, who had a long history of hepatitis B. Um, he was uh, initially from Taiwan, was being followed there, and doing quite well. He had a low hepatitis B viral load normal liver function tests for years. Um, he then uh, actually um, uh, moved to the U.S., moved to Dallas, and we started to follow him at, at that time. He started to have an increase in his viral load and um, started to have elevated uh, liver function tests, suggesting a conversion from this inactive carrier state to more of an active chronic hepatitis B um, infection. Fortunately, he was being followed very closely by his primary care provider, who had been doing an excellent job of following his labs, his hepatitis B viral load, um, and his primary care provider actually started him on antiviral treatment appropriately. Given the high risk of HEC in patients with the vertical transmission of hepatitis B, uh, you know, this patient is, um, you know, has male sex and is over the age of 40. Um, and so he meets the ASLD criteria to initiate HEC screening and his PCP, um, you know, fortunately started him on a semi-annual HEC screening program. Um, just this past year, he was found to have a small liver nodule on ultrasound um, that was around two centimeters in size, and his alpha-feta protein was also elevated at that time. Uh, he underwent a contrast-enhanced MRI to evaluate the liver lesion, and he was diagnosed with an early stage 2.3 centimeter HCC. The lesion had characteristic appearance on the MRI, had enhanced uh, arterial phase uh, enhancement, had delayed washout. And so the patient was actually diagnosed with HEC without even requiring a biopsy in this case. Wow, that's, I mean, this is amazing. And uh, it's an excellent example about primary care helping to detect HCC and getting, of course, as you mentioned, I mean, it's like a great prognosis outcome and a curative intent and uh, being available and the uh, patient could be cured from the disease. If anything, kudos to the primary care physician who continued to be keen on completing the appropriate screening needed in this case. And please, please, we need to remember when a patient has hepatitis B, again, the ASLD does consider screening as an important benefit for the following subpopulation. For Asian male with hepatitis B, carriers over age 40. For Asian female, hepatitis B carriers over age 50. Hepatitis B carrier with family history of hepatitis cell carcinoma, or HCC and African or North American blacks with hepatitis B and hepatitis B carrier with cirrhosis. Again, I'll repeat them. Asian male hepatitis B over age 40, 
Asian female, hepatitis B carrier over age over 50, hepatitis B carrier with families of hepatitis or carcinoma, and African or North American blacks with hepatitis B and hepatitis B carrier with cirrhosis. I mean, that was great. And I mean, within that contest, tell us more about this patient. Whom did you refer him to? Yeah, so Gassan, you know, so this patient now was found to have this, um, you know, liver lesion on MRI that was characteristic for HCC. Um, and I think, you know, patients with HCC should really be referred for multidisciplinary um, care. So should be referred to a multidisciplinary liver cancer clinic when possible, since we know that HCC is managed by multiple different treatment options that are delivered by different specialties. We know that multidisciplinary um, clinics really allow discussion with multiple providers who can then determine the best therapy for each individual patient. Actually, there are several studies that show that multidisciplinary care improves appropriate treatment decisions, including increasing receipt of curative treatment and is associated with improved overall survival for HCC. I think we've already referenced that if you undergo curative therapy with surgical resection, liver transplantation, the average survival is well over five years. Whereas if you're found at later stages and you undergo non-curative therapies, the average survival is much lower, somewhere between one to two years. So this patient was fortunately referred to see our multidisciplinary clinic um, at UT Southwestern and discussed in our conference where we reviewed the imaging as a group with our radiologists and we discussed the optimal treatment option. This patient once again had good liver function in part because his hepatitis B was being treated and he had an early stage tumor. And so he was fortunately eligible for curative surgical resection. Our surgical oncologist saw the patient um, in concert with us and the patient underwent robotic liver resection, had no complications and was out of the hospital within three days and has been doing quite well since that time. We've continued to follow him using surveillance scans after his resection, and he, he fortunately has not had any evidence of recurrence. So I think this case nicely contrasts to that first patient you discussed who had non-curative options available, since he was detected, and this patient was really detected at a more early stage of that, um, and had curative options available, once again, highlighting the important role that primary care providers can play in these patients and highlighting the importance of applying screening programs to apply to, to improve outcomes for our patients. I mean, I'm not surprised, Amit, after all, excellent care is always under your hands and your colleagues. If anything, thank you. It's nice to hear cases in which there is a good outcome. And indeed, the management of hepatitis carcinoma require a multidisciplines, including medical oncologists like myself, Hepatologist like you, diagnostic radiologist, pathologist, transplant surgeon, surgical oncologist, radiation oncologist, nurses, palliative care professionals, and more. You see, it's a, it, 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 it takes a village. And the ASRD recommend that HCC patients that are seen in multidisciplinary clinic, as you mentioned already and gave us a great example, whenever it's feasible, and if not, to be referred to a center with multidisciplinary team to be able to help the patient best. So let's move on to the next case. And uh, if anything, we talk about HCC in uh, the setting of hepatitis. You gave the hepatitis B story, I gave the hepatitis C case. But as you and I know, sadly, hepatitis carcinoma has been rising in the United States in patients with non-alcoholic state hepatitis or what you call NASH. 
So let's take one about an example of this type of patients. 56-year-old Asian gentleman from Dallas, long history of mildly elevated liver function tests, which his doctors explained was fatty liver based on evaluation of liver function tests, with, of course, strong support and encouragement to reduce weight, sadly, it went to no avail. If anything, the current body mass index is 29, and patient continues to struggle with sugar control and what he called mild diabetes. On review of the records, patient was noted also to have a low platelet count, about 100,000, for the last at least 10 years. And the patient developed intermittent abdominal pain, mainly attributed them to bowel difficulties, you know, after pizza nights with the friends watching football, and the abdominal pain this time did persist. So the patient was recommended the liver ultrasound, uh, which showed the concerning liver mass. And this ultrasound was followed by a CT scan of the chest, abdomen, pelvis, which this time showed what we call segment four and five. It's kind of like right in the middle of the liver on the right-hand side, but with no vascular involvement and no metastatic disease. Thanks for sharing, Hassan. Um, as you said, you know, this type of patient is really becoming more and more common in the U.S. due to, due to the obesity epidemic. Um, in fact, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD, is now the most common chronic liver disease, um, including being one of the most common causes of cirrhosis, requiring liver transplantation, and an increasingly common cause of HCC. I imagine you're seeing this in your practice, much like we're seeing it in, in mine, where this has gone from a single-digit proportion to now accounting for 20% plus of the HCC cases we see on a regular basis. Um, as you also know, I mean, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is the broader group of patients with hepatic steatosis. And NASH, you know, or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, is that subset of NAFL patients with hepatic inflammation who are at higher risk of progression to cirrhosis and developing HCC. So, Kassan, can you summarize the um, AASLD guideline recommendations for screening of patients with NASH? I'm, I'm glad you asked, Amit. The ASLD guidelines recommend that all patients with cirrhosis are screened every six months for hepatocellular carcinoma or HCC. However, the ASLD benefit from screening remains uncertain for patients with NASH without cirrhosis. So I think the key word here is cirrhosis. Any patient with cirrhosis, every six months screening, without cirrhosis, we still don't have that clarity. Yeah, I think that this is um, this is a really nice case to highlight that and to say that, you know, once again, an increasingly common cause of chronic liver disease. And one of the first things, much like that first case we discussed, this is assessing that stage of fibrosis, seeing if somebody has cirrhosis or not, and then saying, is this person um, eligible for an HEC screening program? So, Kassan, thank you for sharing this case. Um, and, you know, once again, thank you for, for engaging in this, you know, entire podcast. It's been um, a pleasure to discuss these three cases. Um, I'd like to end um, by briefly summarizing the information that we shared today. Um, I think there's several um, important take-home points that we really learned through these three cases. Uh, first, common causes of HCC include hepatitis B with or without cirrhosis and cirrhosis from any etiology. Um, including cured hepatitis C or non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, as we've highlighted through these uh, two cases, and now two of the most common causes of HEC here in the United States. Second, 
HEC screening is of clear benefit and should be performed in at-risk patients, once again, including all patients with cirrhosis, increasing the likelihood of finding HEC at an early stage and increasing the receipt of curative treatment eligibility. Finally, patients who are found to have HEC should be referred for multidisciplinary management so curative options can be delivered if and when possible. So I want to end by thanking our audience for listening. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the topic, please tune in to the two other podcasts in this series on primed.com. Have a great rest of your day. To obtain your CME credit, please visit primed.com and complete a short post assessment. If you listen to this podcast on another platform, please refer to the episode description where there is a direct link to the activity page on primed.com for claiming CME credit.